Welcome to The Alternative Investor, the show where we discuss, debunk, and demystify all things about investing in alternative assets. Hey, man, it's good to be back. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? I was on a vacation last week. I, yeah, you were gone. Where Actually, were it wasn't a vacation. I, I should clarify. I was on a, a retreat with some of our investors out on the a, uh, at a, Cape Cod. A boondoggle? It was, yeah, some people call it that. Uh, but it was great. Okay, so Brad, I'm excited about today. We are talking about business quality. Yeah. God, that is sexy. It is. You know, who who doesn't want to buy a quality business? Yeah. So, okay. So business quality is a, a little bit of an amorphous term, but just bear with us on this one. So Brad, why, as an investor, why should we care about business quality? Well, you want to put money into a business that's going to return you know, profit. Full stop, right? Yeah, full <laughs> stop, done. Cash. You want cash, right? Yeah, you do not want to make a donation. This is not a charity. Yeah. So at the end of the day, any investment you make in a business, you want to get that investment back in the form of cold, hard cash. And there's two ways of getting that, right? There's, you know, you could either get cash that the business is generating. So each year the business has a profit and they distribute that profit to their investors. Some people call those dividends. Or maybe you don't get the dividends each year, but hey, you know, this thing's growing and it's going to sell for a bunch of money. And so you're going to get some proceeds from a sale. Or some combination of both, right? I mean, is there, am I missing anything? I feel like those are, are those, those are pretty much the two ways of getting cash back, right? Yeah, unless it's a public company and then there's stock repurchases. But yeah, for just a private business, yeah, those are the two ways you're going to make money. That's a good point. Or, or even with the case of a stock repurchase, and it's kind of an, a, a form of a sale, right? Like someone's buying your That's stock. True. That's true. It's yeah. like they either either the business is generating cash or someone's buying your your stake in the business. Correct. Okay, so business quality, basically higher quality businesses generate better returns, right? And so, um, you know, today we, we, what we've done is we've categorized where we've sort of created some different categories of businesses. We've put together a framework for we, you. Yeah, and this, this took a lot of work. I think we spent over 12 or 13 minutes It on was this. at least 14, 15. <laughs> yeah, so this, okay, so our first category of a high quality business, would, it's what we call an organic grower. A grower... Not, not a, a shower. shower. Okay, so this is an organic grower. Um, and so this is a business, uh, I don't know, Brad, take it away. What is, a, what is an organic grower? An organic grower is one that just has a ton of new customers coming in daily, weekly, monthly, right? The top line revenue is growing at great rates uh, every year, right? Compounding. Yeah. And so this company must have some kind of unique advantage uh, to the product or a service that is enabling them to outcompete and continuing to grow or they just keep raising money <laughs> i guess is one way to grow but uh, assuming that we're not talking about one of those companies we're talking about a company that the fundamental business the unit economics work right it's clear that this is a viable business that that people yeah, want like to someone's going to pay you more for that product or service than it costs you to produce it yeah exactly so assuming that then this company can just continue to reinvest their their capital their profits back into hiring new people, entering new markets, improving the product, right? So they can compound that growth. Yeah. And it's like that word organic. I, I was never truly comfortable with that word. And I still am why, not. Why not? You're from California. Yeah, well, that's true. We do, now? we do drink a lot of organic milk. But, you know, I, you know, in this framework or in this, in, in the way we're thinking about it, organic uh, just means, you know, you're acquiring new customers for the product or service that your business offers. I mean, it's, it's sort of the classic way that I think people think about businesses growing, right? You just... Get more customers. Right? Yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's not I think rocket of it, science. I also think of it's you know it's not 
artificial, right? You can grow by taking on a big bank loan. Uh, I like that. Okay, right? I've never thought about artificial growth. Artificial growth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You and you can, you know, you or you could sell your sell your service below your cost, right? You can grow that way too. So organic just means that it's sustainable. I think. Yeah, and it's and it's and it's generated internally, and it's generated from your own product or service. Okay, so let's let's give some examples of. Um, oh, you know, by the way, I, I think I want to make a point. Um, these businesses a lot of times don't necessarily have to be profitable, right? I mean, if if a business is a good organic growth business, a lot of times any profit the business would have generated, you're just plowing back into the business in the form of, you know, you maybe you're hiring more people, or you're spending more money on salespeople, or you're improving the product, right? You, it's like the the world looks pretty good to you. You're like, hey, you know, I think I can continue to generate more, more, you know, more customers or create more customers. I'm just gonna, no reason to, no reason to give the cash away. Let's invest it back in the business, right? Totally. And Amazon is the perfect example of this. How oh, I love them, right? For for what a decade or something, all the stock analysts, right, Wall Street kept saying, you know, Amazon is not profitable. You know, why should we be paying this much for a company that is not generating any profit? But the visionaries and the people who understood what Amazon was building realized that Amazon was profitable, right? They just kept reinvesting all that cash flow back into growing the company and widening their moat, right? Their 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 uh, protection from other competitors, making shipping cheaper, making you know giving more suppliers. On yeah, it. I got to be honest. I have a confession. Yeah, I I really like organic growth businesses, and I'm inclined. That's that's sort of I'm predisposed, or you know, I'm inclined to like love those type of businesses. Those get me excited. Yeah, that I'm, turns you on. Those it, these type of businesses, yeah, it really yeah. does. Yeah, but you know, I feel like a lot of I feel like a lot of my investor buddies. I have a few. Um, you know, these are great, but they, you know, they think about some of these other categories more more critically than I do. So I, I, I love these. Or I love these businesses that have a lot of potential customers out there. They love your product or service. You just got to keep keep going. You know, keep hiring more salespeople, spending more money on marketing, producing a great product, and generating more cash or excuse me, more customers. Yeah. So to finish my thought on Amazon before you got all excited about organic growth, companies, oh, you're still talking about Amazon. Huh? Was that? <laughs> So as soon as Amazon, you know, turned off the spigot a little bit and said, hey, look, uh, we're not going to reinvest as much or what they actually did, I think they just raised the price of, of the prime subscription and promptly lost zero customers, was that they all along the unit economics worked and it was highly profitable, but it made sense to focus and reinvest into growth. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's that got Bezos is sure on to something, isn't he? Yeah. He seems like a wizard. I bet. I, honestly, I bet that guy does pretty well. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Um, okay, so that's that's the organic grower, um, the high flyer. The, yeah, those are fun. All right, so what's the, what's the next category here? We have that we've written down an M and A machine, M and A machine, a mergers and acquisition machine. All right, so these are you know I guess the way I think about it. so this I guess this would be considered inorganic growth, right? It's not that you're necessarily generating new customers for your product or service. You're buying them, right? You're <laughs> you're buying somebody else's business, and you're you know you're taking the revenue and the profit from, from that they've generated from their customers, and you're absorbing it into your business. So this is this is a way to grow, right? Totally. And I think if a lot of companies become an M and A machine. Not you know they didn't start as one, but they kind of hit a ceiling. They kind of hit you know the limit of their business in terms of generating excess cash flow, and they said, well, we have all this cash flow, but we're not growing it at the same rate anymore. So what do they do? They look outside of the company and look for acquisitions to purchase other companies either within that vertical or even outside sometimes 
to try to grow it at that higher rate. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I think this is, this kind of feels like a magic solution. You're like, oh, I'll just buy a business and then just start buying more businesses. But I, I think this is probably trickier than we all think. You know, I've, I actually, I know some folks who did a, you know, people call these roll-ups where you, you buy a bunch of businesses in the same industry and you slap them all together. It's tough, right? I mean, you got to, you know, you think about buying, you're buying individual businesses. They have cultures and employees and processes and systems and ways of doing things. And you have to integrate all those together. And I think that's, I think that's hard to do, right? Oh, a hundred percent. And the, the firms that are great at this, they basically have a wall street type of institution within the company. They, you know, they hire investment bankers who literally all they do is, you know, they're going out and they're, they're searching the universe for other companies to buy. And then they run an investment process just like a private equity company would within that company. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's an interesting strategy. It definitely can, these can create great businesses. Um, you know, maybe some examples here would be like, uh, you know, I think some people have done this in the pest control space, right? So you, you have these sort of regional pest control operators that kind of, you know, they have a bunch of commercial accounts or even residential accounts and, um, you know, pest control in Southern California probably isn't that different than pest control in Las Vegas, right? So you might be able to buy both of those businesses um, and put them together and maybe you, now you've sort of increased the revenue and, and hopefully you've also created some, some cost efficiencies, right? You, like maybe you don't need two full HR departments anymore. You only need one HR department, right? So some people, I think people have done this successfully in pest control. Yeah. The point is, is, you know, if you have a pest control company in Minneapolis, right, and you do well, you're going to hit a, a point where, you know, nobody needs more pest control, right? So the only way to really grow is you go outside of your market and you buy other firms. Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, just as an aside, apparently termites... Um, what? Apparently, that's a dangerous business. You know, people. Why? People can get, if someone someone does that, if wrong, you have a wooden leg, someone gets in that one of those tents and dies. It's that's on you. Oh, just think. We looked at some pest control businesses. Uh, um, oh yeah. I would put, um, you know, maybe some like, you know, these guys that do um, restaurant franchises. You know, they they you know they acquire five Burger Kings and they start acquiring more of them. You know, that's similar, right? It's like, hey, each Burger King's probably not all that different than another Burger, Burger yeah, King. Yeah, I know somebody who owns 75 uh, Applebee's. Oh, Applebee's. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been to an Applebee's in probably 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> Are they still around? <laughs> <laughs> you might want to continue that uh, that streak <laughs> All right. from what I hear. Um, anyway, so yeah, again, the M&A machine... Uh, this is, these are businesses that take the profits that they're generating and they plow them back into buying more businesses. And so, uh, you don't have to distribute that cash to your investors. You can actually go out and just acquire more companies and continue to grow the businesses. So those, those can be high quality businesses as well, as long as they're doing it, you know, effectively and sustainably. And now our third category, Brad, take it away. What is the third one? An ATM machine. Right. Which Let's, I think let's acknowledge the obvious that yeah. the M and ATM does stand for machine. So don't write in and tell us that. We know that. But <laughs> I, I run into that a lot. You know, you, you write something out, you're like, well, I think I should just add the other word because it's, you know, it doesn't make sense otherwise. <laughs> what are you going to write? AT machine? Yeah. Um, yeah. So ATM machines are the way we think about these writers, you know, these are companies that are just spinning off a ton of cash. Yeah, you literally anytime you, you want to, you just go and you get a, a few thousand dollars, right? It's just, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah, it's you're the, the money owner. tree. Yeah, these are like so. You know, these are highly profitable businesses. You know, maybe they're not, maybe they're not continuing to grow. You know, they're not necessarily acquiring new customers. They're not necessarily buying new businesses. 
but they just have a very profitable business. You know, they have a they have some competitive advantage that allows them to be sustainable, and they just spit off cash. So, um, I don't know. You know, maybe this would be like a Procter and Gamble, right? Yeah, it's an established business. It's huge, so no competitor could go out there and replicate their business and can't compete with them on price. So they have a moat, right? They have this big protective um, shield from other competitors and th thus pricing power to an extent. And they're going to kick off cash flow, you know, for for decades. But it's not going to compound at at it, you know, the same rate as, as it did when they were starting off, when it was probably growing at a twenty twenty five percent return. Now it's growing at probably a one percent return. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I mean, I guess you know, we, we used Procter and Gamble as a public company example. But there's there's plenty of smaller businesses that would be that would fall into this category. You know, I guess you know, you know, I didn't talk too much about this, but I think I don't know. I think a, about a like, laundromat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A like laundromat, a great, you know, great little business. Yeah, probably, you know, I don't know what is it like a what is a reasonably sized laundromat spit off each year? You know, like fifty or sixty grand. I don't know. I'm yeah. Well, so you, you probably roll some of these up too. But you know, I'm I imagine those things return at least a low double digits. You know, cash on cash return like clockwork. Yeah, or like even like uh, like you know like a, a like a small medical practice like a dermatology you know practice that. Uh, is established and sort of has plenty of patients. You know, those are, those are that would be a, an ATM machine, right? It's not necessarily going to grow. It's maybe they've already booked up all their appointment slots, but they're going to spit off a ton of cash each year. Yeah, you're not going to triple businesses. your money in five years on those businesses, right? But yeah, they're going to you know they're going to give you a reliable return. Well, yeah, I mean that's a good point. That's a good point. You know, so in terms of kind of the 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 risk return, the risk reward scenario here, I guess. The ATM machine, almost by definition, is going to have a lower upside, right? Because it's high, higher predictable return, or excuse, yeah. more predictable return. Yeah. So if you buy three laundry mats in a certain market, you're probably not going to go to zero, right? If you just do the basics, yeah. you're going to make a return on your invested capital, but you're not going to hit home runs. What if you? What if you just really? really had an awesome laundromat though you know like free coffee i don't i just feel like maybe you, you know what there could be <laughs> maybe, some disruption right, maybe you could do in that there. industry yeah, yeah maybe so, not lose my nice shirt <laughs> oh this sounds personal <laughs> um all right so that we've covered the organic grower that's the one that's acquiring lots of new customers the m&a machine they're buying other businesses um the atm machine spitting off cash and so i i think we would be remiss brad if we didn't at least close this with kind of a category of business that's probably not high quality. Like when, you know, <laughs> I think we called it the, the Valley of death. Uh, what, do, what do these businesses look like? Well, they don't make any money. Yeah. These are sad. Yeah, this is just, <laughs> this is just tough, right? These are tough businesses. They just don't produce a profit or they're barely enough to live on. Right. Yeah. And so what, what kind of businesses do we think of here? And you guys, you know, know plenty of these businesses and you, you, you drive by them and you, you wonder what were they thinking? Why even try <laughs> to participate well, in yeah, like this I, business? I feel like a lot of restaurants fall into this category. Yeah, 95% of restaurants. Apologies to all the restaurant owners out there, but you know, these just seem like those are just tough businesses, I, right? I'm baffled how any restaurant makes money unless it is at the upper luxury end where, it, you know, price doesn't matter. How do you buy all of this food, inventory it, right? Regardless, you have no idea what the demand for this food is going to be. Yeah, right? and it's just, and, you know, it's competitive and it's like, you know, yeah, you have your all inventory these people, dies and goes away. Yeah, and you have all these people on staff that you have to have there, regardless of, you know, what your demand looks like. Very fickle, 
right? If it's a bad, uh, if it's a bad weather day, you know, you're, you're not going to have people there. It's just a bad business. They don't make very much profit at all. Yeah, I get. Well, you know, and, and of course there there are restaurants that have made real money and have done well, but you know, it, those restaurants they figured out some unique formula, some competitive advantage. Um, you know, often, you know, probably run by much smarter people than us, high, good visions and good execution skills. But in general, I think restaurants fall in that category. Yeah. Airlines. I mean, <laughs> airlines has got to be yeah. up there on the worst businesses ever made. How do you make a million dollars in airlines, Brad? Uh, I, you know, what was this line? Go ahead. Just tell us. <laughs> you the start with $5 million. <laughs> I had heard that and I, <laughs> I choked. I could not remember the punchline. Yeah. So, the, you know, again, like, you know, super competitive market, sort of a commodity service. People are price sensitive. They're shopping around. But, right, I mean, there's always exceptions. You know, Southwest, I think, has done a good job uh, creating a great culture and a, and a competitive business, you know, a high competitive advantage there. Well, yeah. I mean, in this industry, you have to have so much money up front spent on, you know, put purchasing or leasing these ginormous things at hundreds of millions of dollars. And anytime you're putting up that much capital up front, and by the way, this thing needs to get serviced like crazy, it's it's hard to recover from that. Well, and if you're going to recover, you better have a damn good strategy, right? And totally. you know, so Southwest had a great strategy, you know, good, you know, great people. Like they turned around their planes super fast. You know, their their pilots are even back there, like cleaning up so they can get the planes in the air. You know, so I. I guess I, I guess my point here is that you know we're not being categorical or sort of painting with a we are painting with a pretty broad brush. You can you can find good businesses in these categories, high business quality, but in general, you know I think these are the kinds of businesses that you probably want to stay away from and, and when you're thinking about your alternative investment strategy, right? I love the second famous quote on airlines. Yeah, what's the other one? If a capitalist had been at Kitty Hawk, he would have tackled the Wright brothers. <laughs> Or shot down the plane. Wah, I, forget. Wah, wah. Yeah, I forget how that joke kind of, goes. I can't believe you'd make a joke about North Carolina, given what they're going through right now with Florence. Wow. Shout yeah. out to all the people in North yeah. Carolina, South Carolina, and Hi Hank in Virginia. <laughs> all right, so Brad, how are we going to close this one out? Well, I just encourage everybody to think not just about price, right? Think about the quality of the business. What is the, the earnings ability of this business look like in the future? Is it a grower? Is it an ATM machine? Is it a, what was the other one? M&A machine. M&A machine yeah. or a valley, valley of death business that has no chance of doing anything. Yeah. And I just like to paraphrase Winston Churchill with quality, quality, quality. Yeah. I hadn't heard that one. Thanks for listening to The Alternative Investor. Since you've made it this far, you should take a second to subscribe to the podcast and join our email list. There, you'll receive additional insights and insider access to the world of alternative investments. Just visit thealternativeinvestorshow.com.